You're listening to Girls Gone Wad. This is Joy. And this is Claire. This is episode 288. This episode is sponsored by UnpluggedFloatEssentials.com. The discount code is GGW. We've pimped them before and everyone keeps asking about it. So here they are again. Unplugged Float Essentials. Take a bath in some amazing CBD bath. Um, Yeah. So this is the um, CBD bath salts that we have been talking about earlier. We've gotten a lot of messages from you guys asking to, hey, what are those CBD bath salts you guys were talking about? Well, they're back. The discount code is back. And the great thing about Unplugged Float Essentials is that they actually use a a water-soluble CBD powder rather than the CBD oil that most other products use. And they are the only product on the market using the powder. It is an Epsom salt-based soak. So you are going to get all the benefits of Epsom salt as well. It's a nice muscle relaxation. Mm. And then with the CBD on top, it's just like so relaxing. It's just and a you bath just of wonder. Float. And then you're just going to float away into oblivion and then you're going to fall asleep and you're going to have the best sleep of your life. I speak from experience. So you can support the podcast and support unpluggedfloatessentials.com. The discount code is GGW. This week on the podcast, we have Steph Hammerman. She's back. We had a great conversation with her, talking about her new gym, talking about what she's up to. We had to get an update in her life, and it was just lovely. It was so good to catch up with her. It really was. It has been a really long time since we've had her on the podcast. I'm even going back to try to find it, and it was so long ago that I'm like not even, it's not even coming up. (laughs) 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 Um, But Steph is so great. So if you guys are not familiar with Steph's story, um, she has cerebral palsy. She's the first, I believe, um, CrossFit level two trainer with cerebral palsy. And she is now a gym owner in North Carolina. She, since last time we talked to her, she has gone through treatment for, um, I believe lymphoma and has come out the other side. She's healing from that. She's in remission. She has a wonderful man in her life, just all the great updates. So we're so excited for you guys to hear this interview with Steph. We hope you enjoy. Yeah. So get us up to speed. <laughs> it's been, yeah. it's so, been, it's been a minute. It's been like three years, four years. So my gosh. Uh, that's so crazy. Well, um, first and foremost, I mean, I'm just excited to be back talking to you guys. I think that, uh, I, it has been a long time and a lot of things have happened, but a lot of good things have happened. Yeah. Uh, in the time since I last spoke to you, um, I was diagnosed with cancer, and I actually have beat cancer. Uh, next Sunday will mark two years cancer-free. Oh, so that's amazing. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I was diagnosed in May of 2016 uh, and did about six months of chemo, and my life completely changed. But at the end of the day, it changed for the best. So there's a there's a ton of things going on and you know I'd love to be able to talk about that with you yeah Yeah, let's hear it I mean you know no big deal beating cancer you know just like this little cliff note (laughs) Um, but you know I know obviously in the two years since then um you have you know you moved moved back you're now a business owner so we would just love to hear the whole story and how it's been going for you all right so We'll go, let's go back to, I guess, that, that time. Uh, it was about April, and uh, I had, had recently fallen in love, actually. And um, my boyfriend and I had been dating for five months, and he was the first person I'd ever said I love you to. And 
all these big things were happening in my life and a lot of different changes were happening. I got to say, I remember seeing that relationship budding on uh, social media and I was very excited for you. Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy to think about, you know, that time now because uh, on Saturday we'll actually celebrate three years together. And when we were first dating, we were dating about five months and he was the one that actually discovered that uh, I had cancer. I was just going to ask you, was that pre or post cancer? I want to say it was, I felt like watching that again, social media is not always truth, but I just remember being like, I wonder, I think that was like right around the same time that you um, were diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So we had met in November, November 17th was our first date. And he always laughs at me that I know a lot of our, our dates and I'm just very date oriented. But uh, November 17th was our first date. And uh, April 16th is when we found the first lump underneath my arm. And uh, I remember that night completely clearly. It was a Saturday night. We had just come home from a date. And uh, we were just like relaxing. And I went to sit up in my chair and I screamed. I screamed so loud. And I just screamed, ow. And he was like, oh, what's what's wrong? And I said, I don't know. I said, I think uh, I might have hurt myself rowing. Because I remember doing like a very long row workout that day. And I had probably worked out maybe two or three times because at that time I was working for a gym and, you know, basically lived in the gym from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m. at night. And uh, I had signs little by little that now looking back, I understand, you know, that accumulated to me being sick. But at the time I, I just was really running myself ragged and, and just trying to work really hard. And I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that I was losing a ton of weight and, you know, I was having all of these little symptoms and I, I wasn't really paying attention to that. So that Saturday night I screamed and, and he's like, well, what's wrong? And I said, I, something under my arm really hurts. And I'm like, oh, I'll be fine. And he's like, let me look at it. And he said to me, he said, babe, he said, Bone doesn't do that, and neither does muscle. And he said, we have to go to the doctor. And I said, no, I'll be all right. And he's like, no, listen to me. We have to go to the doctor. And what I thought was really cool was it was never I, it was always, or it was never you. It was always we. And so from that moment on, we, we you know, had made this commitment that we were going to figure out what was going on, and he was going to be part of it. And I felt very, very lucky to be able to have somebody helping me through that. Um, in May of 2016, we moved from Florida to New York. And quite honestly, we thought we were hopping on the plane for one week. And uh, ended up that we were there for 29 weeks instead. <laughs> and so uh, he picked up his entire life and moved with me to New York. And uh, I had no idea what was going to come of any of it. And quite honestly, my biggest goal was making sure that I was alive, right? And I remember meeting the doctor for the first time, and she said to me, hey, Steph, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never worked with anybody with cerebral palsy before. I've done this many, many times, but you're going to be the first person with CP. And I remember looking at my boyfriend, looking at the doctor, and saying, you know what? If I'm the first, we're going to make the best of it, and we're going to document literally everything there is to know medically about what it is to have CP and lymphoma at the same time. Uh, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma stage 3B, and I was actually cancer-free in seven weeks. 
So I had 29 weeks of treatment and was cancer-free in seven weeks. That um, is crazy. Yeah. And so what are some of the things that um, you found to be different or that your doctors found to be different in treating you with CP and Hodgkin's? It's very interesting because we didn't know. We didn't know what uh, was going, to, you know, what some of those symptoms were going to be or if anything. And so some of the things they wanted us to be prepared for was um, congestive heart failure, which freaked me out because I didn't really know <laughs> exactly what, yeah. what that all meant. It just sounded very intense. Sounds serious. And uh, so congestive heart failure and neuropathy, which basically meant like pins and needles, but they were going to be constantly in my feet. And uh, it would, they told me they wanted me to know like the worst sides of it in the beginning, just to be prepared. And they said, you know, if it was to get really, really bad, you, you could lose your ability to walk. And I was like, well, I don't have time for that. So th that's not going to happen. And week by week, you know, I would see the doctor every two weeks and every week she'd say to me, uh, you know, how you doing? How you feeling? And I, and I would tell her everything. And I never once, uh, I never had the symptoms that you see on TV. It was very, very different. Uh, I lost my hair, which was probably the biggest, the biggest change, um, mentally for me was losing my hair. And then I actually gained about 70 pounds on chemo. And so some people lose weight and I actually gained a lot of weight. But what was very cool was we were, uh, I had to have a surgery to be able to implant a, a port in my body for the chemo. And they give you 10 days, you're not allowed to do anything. And at that time, I was, you know, still feeling very, very strong. And I remember on the 11th day, I went to see the doctor, even though I wasn't supposed to, because she, she was right next to us. And I said, you know, am I allowed to lift again? And so I showed her a video of me doing a clean and she looks at me and she says, Steph, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I said, because this is, this is what I do and this is my, this is my sanity. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I was very lucky to be able to find a place um, in New York. I worked out at um, Brick, New York for almost my entire six months, seven months that we were there. And I trained almost every day of my, my chemo and some days were worse than others when it came to like energy level. And by the end, it started getting hard because the, the chemo is cumulative. So like the first two chemos, I looked at my boyfriend, Tyler, and I was like, man, I could do this. So I could do this all day. And I had so much energy and and then by like the 10th one, I was like, yeah, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, a, like a little bit. <laughs> like, okay, turns out this chemo thing is actually just poison in my body. And so, well, that was a big thing that I had to understand was that this poison was going in my body to save my life. And so I would gain all this weight. Like, um, and an another like tidbit of information was they actually put my body through menopause. So at 26 years old, my body was going through actual menopause and, you know, I was going through the hot flashes and all this crazy, you know, all these crazy things. Like my boyfriend would come home from work and every single air conditioner would be on complete blast. <laughs> like, Steph, what is going on in here? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm super hot. Like I can't deal. And then like two minutes later I would be freezing. And so it, mentally it was, it was a, a very interesting challenge but 
we found out that we were I was cancer free uh, November eighteenth, which was very exciting, and uh, we celebrate our anniversary on the seventeenth. So kind of we had a lot to celebrate, and um, before we had found all that stuff out, we were making a decision on whether or not we wanted to move back to Florida or if we wanted to, you know, whether we were going to stay in New York. And one of the options was we are, we are not staying in New York. We didn't want to be there any longer. Um, living in the city was, was very interesting, and all the kinds of people that you meet are great, but it was too too much and just, just a lot to be able to handle. So we knew we didn't want to stay in New York, and we talked about possibly going back to Florida, but we didn't really want to do that. So we kind of, you know, we tell people we threw a dart, and in a sense, that was kind of true. Um, we had no idea that we would end up in Nightdale, North Carolina. Uh, Ty t- t- took a trip down here by himself uh, while I wasn't allowed to travel. And that found us a beautiful apartment. And um, we ended up in this small town called Nightdale, North Carolina. And we've lived here two years. And quite honestly, I have to say it was it was a very, very you know good decision and we, I love the little town that we live in, and I'm glad that we moved here. So that's the long short of it, I guess. <laughs> that's crazy. I, um, I've lived in the same town my whole life, and so I always am curious of, like, just up and moving. But it sounds like uh, we took a gamble, and it really worked out. Yeah. You know, I think uh, people had their reservations, and I, our relationship has never been, I guess you'd say, conventional. We moved in together five months after dating, and... He's just my best friend, and it's just been super easy to, you know, tackle life. Life is not easy, and things are not perfect, and, you know, we have our days, but at the end of the day, like, he is the person that makes life easier and makes life so much fun, and when people ask us, like, how chemo was, and sometimes I feel bad saying, like, hey, it, it, it wasn't horrible. Like, yes, it was hard, and yes, things changed, but we had so much fun, and, you know, you just made the most of it. So. Yeah, I don't think fun is usually a word that people use to describe chemo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, the, the chemo itself wasn't fun, but the, right. the, the experience was definitely way more fun than I had anticipated. Yeah. So I want to ask you a little bit more about the physical changes during chemo. I mean, I know we there's so much talk all the time in our world about body image and about all of that. Um you know, your, as your body changes in different ways. And I know that you had, and you're very open about this and post about it a lot about, you know, the, um, changes your body went through and gaining weight. And, you know, you felt like you had put so much work and you had put so much work into your fitness and into, you know, feeling like that was being outwardly represented by your appearance. And then to go through this physical change where in your mind, you know, okay, this is what has to happen for my life to be literally saved but that doesn't always necessarily you know just put a just blanket statement like and I was totally fine with all the changes that were made um you know so how was it going through that for you you know we we talk a lot about um this kind of how do you hold in one hand like I I love my body and I am so proud of everything it does and I want it to work but on the other hand also having and I am an athlete and I want to look like an athlete and it's important to me you know to have this certain physical appearance how is that going through all that weight gain for you and and kind of now that you've been working more on coming back from it what's that mental process been like very hard <laughs> I'm not gonna lie about it 
uh, I can't tell you that it was ever easy. Like I remember looking at myself in the mirror when I first started chemo and I was tiny. Like I had never been that small ever. And I knew that something wasn't right because my body's, my body's, I guess you'd say like perfect, the way, the, 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 the weight that I felt most comfortable at was 137 pounds lean. And I felt like I had all these beautiful muscles and I was really, really proud of it. And I remember looking at a picture of myself that, uh, actually one of my coaches, Chris Henshaw had taken and it was uh, of me and, and of Rich Froning when we had done this workout together. And I remember looking at my body going, man, man, I look good. But now I look back at those pictures, I realized that I was really sick. And I remember when the doctor asked me to step on the scale before chemo started because they have to give you accurate measurements. And uh, I stepped on the scale and the scale said 119 pounds. And I stepped on the scale three times to make sure that that was right. Because I knew my weight in and out. And I really, really thought I was 137 pounds. So I look back at some of those pictures and it was hard for me to realize like I wasn't aware of what was going on to my body. But now I look at myself and I struggle every day with looking at myself now. But there are certain things that I look at, like my shoulders are coming back, which I'm very excited about. My hair is coming back. My muscles are coming back. But it's not the fastest process. And maybe it could have been faster if I put in you know, maybe more work or really wanted to be dedicated to it as soon as I got done. But quite honestly, I let I, I let myself kind of not go, but I let myself just be okay with staying complacent. And I don't necessarily know that I'm happy with that, but I do know that it was okay. It was okay that I gained that weight. And I don't, I can't stay mad at the fact that I gained 70 pounds. I can't stay mad at the fact that, you know, I'm 160 pounds now. I was probably 180 pounds when I finished chemo. And so for me, it was it was very hard to be able to kind of let that stuff go. But now I'm I'm coming back from that. And I wake up every day and I'm sorry, I get a little emotional about it. But I'm waking up every day now and I, I'm... I'm more proud of, of where I'm going. I can't say that like I love the way that I look right now, but I love, I'm trying to fall in love with the process again. And so I'm not going ham on like my macros right now. I'm really trying to focus on the mental side of things because I, I lost myself for a little bit. Mm. And uh, I realized that I, I, I wasn't in love with fitness as much as I used to be. And so now I'm, searching for those new goals, trying to fall back in love with fitness again. So like when you say you lost yourself a little bit, was it just like everything that you had gone through and you lost sight? What, what do you mean by that? You know, I, I don't necessarily know like a direct answer to what made me lose that. It was more of like I would look at myself in the mirror and, and I am the luckiest girl in the world to have a man that tells me every day how beautiful I am and how much he loves me. I didn't love myself, right? And so that was really hard. But I think that opening this gym and now having a space where I am in love with the fact that we opened the gym and now I'm falling in love with myself again. You know, when, when I have members that come in 
and they're starting to reach their goals and we've only been open two months, like that gives you purpose again, right? I I think I lost a little bit of my purpose Mm -hmm. and finding that has been, has been a journey in itself. You know, it's a good reminder. I think about that a lot of, um, there's times when I get caught up in the false sense that we arrive somewhere, you know, like, oh, I'm finally really happy with myself. And uh, it's, it's not always going to stay that way. And there's going to be moments and there's going to be times in our lives when we wax and wane. And there's times when we don't like ourselves as much and our confidence is really, you know, shaken. And I don't know. I just think that's, it's, you said it very beautifully of like, you just don't know what it was. There was a lot going on in your life, but it's a reminder, I think to all of us that we're like, yeah, this, we never, we never just arrive. Like it doesn't matter about the partner you have that tells you every single day how beautiful you are, but like, you know, the shit that knocks you down to kind of go, oh, wait a minute. Like, I, I, I need to keep working on this. This is an ongoing journey. And I think, you know, there's lots of really, really good things that are happening in my life right now. And being uh, a Nike athlete uh, as of last January has really changed the way that I, I view being an athlete. Phil Knight basically says it if if you have a body, you are an athlete. And when I went to Nike for the first time, I felt anything but an athlete. And I left Nike feeling like I was because they treat you, I am, considered to them an elite athlete. And So can you tell the listeners how that all came to be first really quick? Yeah. And so probably in, in around like a, the May time, I guess a year and a half ago, I reached out to somebody that I knew who was a Nike athlete and I had said, Hey, I'm, I really want to get back into running on the track again. But every time, um, I go running, I run through a pair of shoes like every two weeks, um, and different companies, I've tried different shoes and it just wasn't working for me. And so I said, I wonder if, you know, I could just try a pair of Nike shoes and and see how they work. And so this person got me in contact with their contact. And all I wanted was just to see if I could possibly get a pair of shoes and just test it out for them. And so our contact, his name is John. And I uh, messaged back and forth with John for a little bit. And he's like, yeah, I don't mind sending you a pair of shoes. Just give me some feedback and let me know what you think. So I tried the shoes and they worked for like three months. And I, I hadn't been able to break through them until three months. And so I gave him this feedback. And then one day he emailed me and said, you know, we're thinking about expanding into the adaptive world. And we'd really like to talk to you. So I didn't think anything of it. And I said, okay, and set up a phone call. And he, I talked to him for probably like an hour. And uh, he said, okay, I'm going to call you back because I have a couple other people that want to meet you. And so we set up another meeting, and this time it was a Skype meeting. And I met with like an entire team of people, all these different people that hold different positions and, um, in the training department. And I had a long conversation with them, and they're like, okay, we're going to, uh, we're probably going to interview a couple more people if you know of any other athletes, but we'd like to have one more conversation with you. So another like two days went by, and I had this conversation with the head of their, what they call the Fly Ease team, which is like their adaptive um, section of Nike. And I talked maybe for 90 minutes and the woman didn't say anything. 
And I thought, like, I was trying to see if, she, you know, maybe she didn't like me or anything. Uh, I, I didn't know. And they just, they just let me talk, right? And I said, okay, well. Then John called me, and he's like, man, you blew them out of the water. And I was like, what are you talking about? You're like, they didn't, didn't say anything. <laughs> say anything to me. And he's like, no, man, like, they just wanted to keep hearing you talk. And, like, they just wanted to hear everything you had to say. And you just, like, blew them out of the water. You said they were going to interview, like, seven more people. And they're just, they're just not doing it because um, we want to sign you. I said, what do you mean you want to sign me? And he's like, yeah, you're going to be a Nike athlete. And so in January before Wadapalooza last year, I signed a contract with Nike. It was an amazing feeling to be able to sit there and, and really say that I was a contracted athlete. I was a contracted professional athlete on in their standards. And I couldn't believe it, right? And so I ended up going to Nike headquarters for the first time in, in May. They just, they loved everything that I was saying, that I was doing and really kind of moving things forward because it's not just about me. It's about the biggest picture of this huge company making sure that we are accessible to all people. Yep. A universally designed product, whether it's a pair of pants, a pair of shoes, you know, sweatshirts, whatever it is, it's not just about me. It's a, a way bigger picture. And so when I signed with their training team, which they focus on CrossFit, um, it, it was very important to me that it wasn't just about me. Um, and that we made it a bigger picture. So we go in May and have a bunch of conversations with some people and got to do some really cool things. And then they invited us back like two weeks ago. And from those conversations that we had in May, certain things are coming to life. Um, I can't really talk about all the stuff that's coming to life right now, but it, to see things breathe, breathe life is very, very cool. And to see that a company like Nike really, truly cares not just about helping adaptive athletes, but moving them forward in a sport is very, very, very cool. And being able to be part of that is just amazing. I want to know a little bit, just a smidge, if there's anything really uh, fun and cool that you can share with people about the insides of, of Nike HQ, because that just sounds delightful joy also add some background joy i'm married to the nike royalty not really Joy's but husband my husband used loves to have nike. a nike swoosh tattoo on his ankle <laughs> oh god <laughs> i can tell you that the hq campus first of all it is a beautiful campus and they have seventy-five thousand employees so it's it's a college it's like a college campus because some of these people are meeting each other for the first time and it's very it's very cool to see how they all function as you know different entities but they're all working for the same entity and so it's it's really cool to be able to see i can i can tell you that the staff at nike hq treats people with such respect treats their athletes with respect and they really want to hear you um when you go there you're you don't feel like a you don't just feel like a guest you feel like part of the family and so that, that's really cool as well. Some of the, the things that we are working on are going to help adaptive athletes in the future. And like I said, it, it's all different kinds of products that hopefully we can, we can leave our marks on, you know. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's um, really great stuff. Thank you. So let's talk about your gym. 
Yeah. Just that other small thing going on in your life. Um, So has, has this been always something that has been a goal of yours or was it something that the opportunity kind of came up and you decided to pounce on it? So when you say always, I should say it's been a goal of mine for probably the last five years. Um, Being involved in the functional fitness space, the CrossFit space, I knew that at some point I really wanted to open my own space. Uh, About, I don't know, four years ago, I had my first conversation with uh, my grandpa, actually, and and I had said, you know, I think I want to open my own gym. And we talked about it, and, and he was very supportive. And then life happened, and then cancer happened, and it just, it just wasn't the right time. Um, when I moved here to North Carolina, I worked for a couple different gyms and I learned a lot of things, but I just, my boyfriend and I, we talk about like the little nudges that life gives you and, and I was kind of ignoring them for a long time. And then, uh, I decided probably, I don't know, eight months ago, we had a conversation and I looked at Ty and I said, you know, I think I really just want to do my own thing. And he said, okay, then let's do it. And it took a little bit longer to to find the right space, which was pretty funny because the space that we're in now is literally across the street from our house and uh, and across the, the way from one of the places that we were working so hard to get. And again, like life just kind of nudges you in the right direction. And I think I'm, I really wish I would have listened to it a little bit earlier. But uh, again, you learn a lot of lessons and I've learned a lot um even in the last few months. But uh, this has been a project, I would say, for the last year, um, really trying to put things together. And then in September, September 8th, we opened our doors. And uh, we are Hammer Driven Fitness in Nightdale, North Carolina. Um, We're also a CrossFit affiliate, but it was very important to me to also branch out. And so we live in a community where most people really don't know what the CrossFit space is or the CrossFit community is. And so what was important to me was to be able to still foster that kind of community, but also branch out. And so making it hammer-driven fitness was, was an easy an easy decision. So if you have CrossFit programming, obviously, and then what other types of stuff are you doing? So we really focus on the functionality, right? And so our biggest, our biggest mission is to educate, motivate, and improve people's overall quality of life. Our clientele range from 35 to 74. And so when they come in and they tell um, me or, or they tell any of our um, staff, you know, hey, like, I did, I did laundry for the first time this week and I wasn't in pain uh, or, you know, I was able to go run around with my grandkids. Like that's what I want to be able to see. So we focus a lot on mobility, flexibility, and um, just kind of keeping people moving. We do focus on the high intensity or uh, constantly varied functional movements done at high intensity. But again, the, you know, the people that come in here are coming in because they, they want to get fit, they want to be healthier, and they want to move. And so I don't necessarily, you know, pound on the, the CrossFit programming. We do some Olympic lifting, but nothing's ever, you know, it, it's not a, a very competitive or elite type atmosphere. Sure. And, you know, high intensity is relative for everyone. It doesn't always mean you have to do Fran 
to have a high intensity experience for you, depending on what your background and your abilities are. What are some of the ways, you know, you you talked about how starting the gym, you feel like you've been able to kind of find yourself again. What are some of the ways that that's happened for you? Every single day that I open the gym, every single day that I have somebody come in and walk through the door and they do something they never thought possible, it is pretty cool to be able to watch that because that helps me develop my purpose. I've had, I have people come in here, you know, who haven't had the greatest of day and then they come in and we talk about it all the time that this hour is your hour. And no matter what happens outside, this hour is all about you. No matter what you want to do, whether it's just moving on a bike or really enjoying the class for the hour, it's all about them. And so, you know, my alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning. I'm really excited to get up again. You know, I'm excited to, to get up. And yes, is it tiring? Sure, it's tiring. But at the end of the day, when you have people telling you that you are changing their lives, I mean, there's nothing better than that. So I'm curious because this is obviously a lot of responsibility and a lot of work. And there's got to be moments where you're just like, oh, I'm so tired. What what are the things that you do to kind of keep yourself energized? And it probably uh, changes every day, but that's just got to be something you have to work on constantly. Well, I'm, ve- I'm very lucky that, uh, number one, I have Ty to remind me to go to sleep. <laughs> um, and there are times when I... Are, I you, guess- are you someone who could just like run off of zero sleep? Probably not the best idea for me. But, uh, you know, I just want to, I want to be here all the time. Yeah. And I know that, that that's not possible. Um, I do have two other coaches that I work with and, and they, they are amazing. They've been able to really kind of take some of that away from me, you know, or that feeling of having to be here all the time. But I think it's just because it is new. I want to know everyone's face. I want everyone to know me. And mm-hmm. so for me, it's more about finding just that balance and, I, I really struggle with like just turning it off, you know? And so on, on Sundays, um, one of the things we do is, you know, we'll, we'll clean the gym or whatever, but then we have time for us and we turn our phone off and just kind of relax. But the other things that I'm, I'm really, you know, focusing on are just trying to get back in the gym for myself, whether it's, you know, five minutes of really just getting out of my chair and just moving around, or it's like a 20 minute workout. I really try to to be able to just kind of move for myself again. One of the things you've said a, a couple of times or alluded to a couple of times that I think is so important is that feeling of letting things take time and being okay with the process and even learning to appreciate and love and, you know, really live in the process. And like Joy was saying, I think it's so easy for us to see, you know, we always like kind of harp on before and after photos. And one of the reasons that before and after photos drive us crazy is because like, there is no after, you know, like then what, right. Then what you're like, what, what about the rest of your life? And, you know, I even want to go back to one of the things that you were talking about um, when you were talking about the weight gain, like, you know, it's, I think so many people, have so many things that happen in their life that feel a little bit out of their control. And whether that is an injury or a pregnancy or a job or literally anything, like any single circumstance in your life, you know, I think a lot of times um, we want to point to like, well, my body might not look the way I wanted, but it, you know, survived cancer or it survived this injury or it went through this, you know, trauma. And 
therefore I still love it. But it's like, even without that, therefore, how can we live in that space of my body might not look exactly the way I want, or my fitness may not be exactly where I, I want it or exactly where I wish that it was, but that doesn't keep me from being able to appreciate where I am and being able to, you know, live in this moment and be comfortable in this moment, even while still being able to look forward. And I think that's so hard for people to balance that of like, how how can you really truly say, I love myself where I am. I am, you know, present in this process and I still have goals for myself and I still want to improve. Like, I feel like that balance is just mentally can be very difficult, but you know, it, like it is just sort of day by day, I guess. I'm not good at remembering that I beat cancer. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I, uh, I think it's, yes, it is a, a big thing that happened. But at the end of the day, like I had so many people, if I could, if I got paid every time a person said, you know, don't worry, you have to remember what you just did, like what your body just did for you. Like I would get really frustrated because it's like, that shouldn't be an excuse that I gained so much weight. Like that was, that was very hard for me to like the doctor at one point, because I became very close with her, the doctor looked at me and she was like, Steph, she's like, you got to give yourself a break. She's like, your body literally just saved its life by dealing with poison. And so I was very hard on myself in the fact that, and I still am, like, I, I look at some, you know, I, or I hear some women always talk about how they want to be skinny, right? Or they, they want to lose weight or whatever, you know, for me, it wasn't about being skinny. It was, I don't look strong anymore. And so that was a huge change for me because I looked really freaking strong before I got sick, right? And I, and I worked for that. And so like when my muscles start coming back, I, I remember I was, I was in Arizona uh, visiting my grandparents and my grandma goes, you really want your, your, your shoulder or your arms to be that big? I said, no, grandma, I don't. I want them to be bigger. And she just <laughs> laughed at me, you know, but that's, that's where like, I find pride. I know, like, my boyfriend thinks I'm beautiful. My family thinks I'm beautiful. And I know that I'm a beautiful girl. But at the end of the day, finding that balance of, hey, like, this wasn't your fault. But like, the weight gain was partially your fault, because you're not controlling it. And so, for me, that was very hard to not have that control or feel like I had lost control. And so now that I am in control, I need to be able to to be able to take that back and really work on that. And so now there's nobody, there's nothing to blame but myself. <laughs> so you know, I think that's a that's a whole that's a whole new side of the journey that I'm I'm really working on. Yeah, and I think too, like you know, I just want to encourage you to not look for blame in that situation either that there doesn't have to be a, you know, just because you're, you found yourself in a place that you don't necessarily want to be, that's not necessarily due to a fault in any situation. But I do think, you know, one of the things that I always struggle with is like, it's not that I necessarily have this perfect body in mind, but I want to be able to look in the mirror and feel like I see myself and yeah. And like, that's all it is. And, 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 maybe, you know, I, I'm in it. I mean, like I'm pregnant, so it's a little bit different, but 
when you look in the mirror and see a body or, you know, I think it, it can also be people who dye their hair. Maybe they look in the mirror and they have brown hair. They don't see who they expect to see. So they go blonde. Now they recognize who they feel like they are or get tattoos or the clothes that you choose to wear. All of that is on the same spectrum as wanting your body to look a certain way so that when you look in the mirror, you say, yeah, that's who I am. And, you know, I think it's also interesting to hear you describe like when you were at your lowest weight, you look at those pictures and you're like, I was actually really sick. And yeah. I think that's something else that, you know, the skinny or, or very, very lean can be glorified. But we also see and hear that from women like who took a an unhealthy turn counting macros or something where they look at these pictures of themselves and they're like, yeah, maybe this was, you know, the, it was the, the thinnest or whatever I've ever been. But man, when I look at that picture, I see someone who is sick. And, you know, so what is that middle ground of like finding the balance for you and finding what you want? And, you know, I just think that's so funny. Like you're your grandma, you know, are you sure you want your shoulders to be that big? <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I want to be bigger. Like this is who I view myself as. I am this strong, physically strong athlete. Yeah. And I want other people to see that when they look at me. Yeah. And that's where too, like, it's funny. I mean, this morning I, I took a shower and, um, and I got out of the shower and my hair is getting long again. And I, I love having long hair. And I don't, I don't think I realized that until I lost my hair um, and, and how much of an identity it w- or how much it was part of my identity or how I felt. And um, so this morning I got out of the shower and I was like, you know, I feel really pretty today. And, and you know, th- and some days that happens. And then there's other days where I'm just like, you know what, like, I need to work harder. And it's not necessarily like a blame game. I shouldn't say that. But uh, at the end of the day, like, it is my body and I want to, I want to be healthy. But I also, you know, you, you want to feel sexy, just as like other people view you, right. And so people can think that I'm beautiful or whatever they want to think, but I need to feel that too. Now you have your gym up and running. You live in this great town. You have this great boyfriend. Your, your hair is growing back. <laughs> uh, what is next for you? Uh, what is next? I mean, the, there's a lot of things that I'm, again, trying to refocus on. And I think my fitness and my health is going to be next. I'm trying to figure out what my next biggest goal is. And uh, I know that I will be competing in Wadapalooza this year in January. So just kind of having having a fitness goal is important and just trying to to figure out what the next big, big goal is. I know for me, it's it's really growing the business. Um, you know, we're, we're two months open and we have some amazing members, but I want to have 250 members, you know, and, and I know it's going to take time and um, we are an incredible space. And if you ever are in the area, I hope you'll come and visit. We have a beautiful space and there was a lot of hard work and effort put into this space, but now I want people to enjoy it. And so I don't care if you're an adaptive athlete, you're able-bodied athlete. I don't care what uh, skill level you have or what age you are, as long as you want to come in here and make yourself better then I'm here to help. And so my my next biggest goal is really growing the business. Where can not just physically, but online and your your gym and your website and all that kind of stuff. And then, can you also the area that you're in? I know people who are local are like, "Duh, Claire, this is where that is." But can you describe a little bit about where geographically you are? So if people are traveling to that area, they'll know where to find you. Yeah, so we are um, 
15 minutes east of Raleigh. We are right off I-40, basically, um, for people that are in the area. We're in Nightdale, North Carolina, so it's 15 minutes outside Raleigh. You know, uh, we're, we're a little bit city, but we're a little bit country, kind of small town, which I like. You can find the gym info at hammerdrivenfitness.com or hammerdrivenfitness on Instagram uh, and Facebook. Uh, and then my, my stuff personally is Steph the Hammer on Instagram and Facebook. Um, and you can always email the gym at hammerdriveninfo uh, at gmail.com and I'll be able to answer any questions you may have. Um, if people are coming in for drop-ins, you're more than welcome to. That is so great. Steph, thank you so much. It was really great talking to you again. I cannot believe it's been probably over three years and so much has happened, but feels like we just picked up right where we left off. I know. Let's not wait so long. Let's not. I really <laughs> want to get an update. And especially after Waterpalooza, that sounds like so much fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Well, thanks again, Steph. And we'll talk to you soon. Um, I know, you know, clearly we don't know Ty, but I feel like I know him because of yeah. his so tell, <laughs> tell him we say hi. Tell him we said hi. <laughs> I will. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Bye. Steph. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.